Welcome to the Level Work Podcast. This is Jeff. And Andre. I could not get you to stop talking. What a woman speak. Do you see what I'm saying? How to break through with your spouse, your partner. <laughs> I've been thinking about this. How did you handle this? The man's kind of got it good. I feel like you're getting off on a little bit of soapbox. This is me rolling my eyes. This is really great. I really... Rolling. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Welcome to the Level Work Podcast. This is Jeff. And I'm Andre. We are so excited to have you back with us again. 2019, the best year ever. Uh, okay. Right? You just said it. Listen. Yes, I hope so. New Year's resolutions. We're ready to rock and roll. <laughs> Jeff is a big New Year's resolution person. You are. Yeah, we start you the year. You always have something. Yeah, we start the year like with great, great anticipation. But and actually, to be clear, uh, hang on, this is not what we originally talked about, but I have actually done my New Year's resolution from 2018. You did. I am very proud of you about that. Which was to not eat fries. No French fries for the whole year. The entire year. That was hard for you. I mean. But you did it. Yeah. Especially when you got kids, you know, and they always got their Chick-fil-A meals and they don't always eat their French fries. And you know, as a parent, (laughs) you know that that's what you do. You like take the rest of their French fries. That's what you do. But uh, Jeff, he did not. I'm so proud of you. I think I've eaten a total maybe of eight fries in in the entire year. There's been a couple. Well, that, now you cheated. No, <laughs> not not like orders of fries, like literally eight fries. Okay, okay. I did really, really like well. ridi- ridiculously good on my New Year's resolution. All right. I'm definitely not doing that this year. A <laughs> couple things to tell you about us, it, just because we haven't been together in two weeks. Uh, we I always know, start the back. year. Let's tell them about Shinna Brunch. Oh, yeah. We have one day that we kind of invite anybody and everybody to our house yes and i make a big brunch everybody brings themselves in their pajamas and our listeners invited next year sure sure come on in come on over you have to direct message me for my uh, address that's for sure (laughs) (laughs) i'm not just gonna say that on the internet um but we shinna brunch if you're in atlanta you're welcome when you have a name like shinna barger which i know that you're very thankful you have that name Oh, it's a joy. You can turn it into any event. <laughs> it's a blessing. You can have a shinna brunch. You can have a shenanigans. We do a shinnication. Shinnication. <laughs> so, anyways, you come. We watch football. We play games. We eat food. It lasts and it all day. Lasts all day. There have literally been years that I've gone to bed. Kevin, Kevin's gonna have to join us. Yeah. Gonna have to join us. Our audio. And. Um, yeah, so there's that. And then the other thing, just we just wanted to share a little bit about ourselves. Andre, something that people don't know about Andre is starting <laughs> apparently October say? 1st. Is that your what date? What are you saying? You only drink hot water? Yes. Oh, this is my thing. I guess people don't know that. Uh, I only drink hot water in the winter. No water with ice, no cold, any any water with coldness. It turns it's into a weird hot. conversation every always. restaurant we go to, though. Yeah, because I'll say, I just want hot water. And they're like, oh, would you like tea? I'm like, no, hot water. They're like, like, can "Ah." we do, let me, uh," they're always like, "Uh, can I? uh, And I'm like, you're in a restaurant. If you don't have hot water in your restaurant, there's a problem. But yes, only hot water, and I'm drinking it today. It's my thing. Well, anyways, we are back, love or work. We are back. 2019 is going to be great. Our first episode is phenomenal. 
Yes. Phenomenal. But wait, before we tell you all about it, I want to ask you, because we haven't asked you in a while, if you're listening, will you please just open up iTunes or whatever your podcast little app on your phone that you're listening to, and please give us five stars. And, and if oh. you're not subscribing... Please subscribe. I don't think we've ever asked this, but like, can you just rate us? Give us a nice review. Like, be kind. We're doing this. We're trying to do this. We're trying to do it the right way. <laughs> and we need some reviews, and we need more subscribers, and we need you to tell a friend. So this is my shameless self-promotion. Look at that pitch. How well, you like let's that? talk about who is on today. The best. Because you will give a five-star for today. You will. Today, we are interviewing Jeff Foxworthy and his wife, Greg. Greg and Jeff are... Amazing. I can't believe they came. They literally, a lot of these interviews we do over the phone or through the internet. This one, they came to our office. They wanted to be here. They wanted to hang out. We talked for like an hour afterwards. A long time. Yeah. And then, um, hang on. At the end, we were like, yeah, we should all get together. I don't know if they really want to get together with us. I hope they do. If you're listening, which Greg is. She's an avid listener. She is a listener. Which makes me so happy. <laughs> uh, she says she listens every week. But anyways, if they're listening, we still want to go out. Yeah, we can. We'll have to. We so still just, need dinner. Just throwing that yeah. out there. But the funny thing about it that I thought was interesting is. Well, everything was funny. Everything was. No, I but I mean, that's Jeff Foxworthy is. The dude breathes and you start laughing. Okay, but what I'm saying is I cried. Yeah. He made me cry. He's very funny, but he is He's um, deep. very deep, mm-hmm. and he really made me cry. I seriously cried in the interview, so I was not prepared for that. I know. Not he, prepared. He also, what's cool is, you know, I don't think they do this much at all together, and they are an amazing duo yes. in life. You can um, tell. You can tell. Yeah, it was an, I mean, it was an honor. So, like, introducing Jeff Foxworthy, what do we have to say? He's a comedian like that does everything that everybody knows that like is one of the top comedians in history. Yes. Um, but let's talk about the one thing that we do that not, I don't think everybody knows. He has made a new game. It's which and is we called, played it with our family over Thanksgiving, which is called relative insanity. Mm-hmm. And it is fun. It so is really fun. Everybody should go to Amazon and bookstores and game places. Where do you buy this? Yeah, yes. on Amazon. All of it. We bought it at Target, but it was on Amazon. And it was funny when he Barnes was explaining it. He was like, I made this on it. He'll explain it in the interview. Um, a little bit of how it began. But he's like, this is the number one game on Amazon. Isn't that cool? Yes. <laughs> so y'all should go and buy it because it's very fun. It's awesome. And uh, you can definitely even play it with the kids, too. It's fun. Yes. So three things to listen to in this interview. That was going to be my first thing. Is to actually, listen for, yeah. Oh, my goodness. We'll start again from the new year. Just. Let's listen for something. So the first was check out Relative Insanity. He's going to talk all about it. Second thing, I love this. This is like, I love getting into entrepreneurial stories that the hard times versus the good times. His first year, he did 406 shows and only made $8,000. Oh, I thought that was. It actually kind of hurts my heart (laughs) even thinking about (laughs) the amount of work and travel. For not for nothing. I mean, he and I think what I love about that is that he just like it shows like hard work. Hustle. It takes hard work to bring something into life. Secondly, or actually Third. thirdly, because this is the last thing, when she she she'll start explaining about how he she would go on the road with him and all those first couple of years, 
And he would tell a joke and no one would, like literally no one would laugh. And then he'd hear one heckle. Heckle. And it was her laughing in the back. And she said, I would start laughing because I would take notes in the back saying, he's never going to tell that joke again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it was such a great interview. We hope you enjoy it. This was an honor of an interview. Let's do this. So tell us your love story. How did it all begin? Can I? First, compliment the two of you and tell you how much I've enjoyed listening to your podcast. And I wish that when we had first started out that we'd had something like this to help us over some of the humps oh, and through some of the hard so times. Sweet. No, it's been I very did not helpful. Even and, know you were listening. And great. Yeah, listen to a lot of them. Oh, thank you. And I want to meet most of these people because it's really interesting. I'd love to do it. We gotta do some dinners now. Yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. You have to follow up dinners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. I love it. All right. So, how'd you all fall in love? How'd this start? It's pretty strange. I used to be an actress in okay. my former life, and I had done a movie in South Carolina, and the boy who played my boyfriend in the movie decided that he was going to try stand-up. And this was the mid-'80s, and the acting community and the stand-up community was a crossover in Atlanta. It wasn't a huge community, so Mm -hmm. you knew everyone. So a group of us went to support Robert, who's one of our best friends still, and his wife's my dearest friend, and went to support Robert. And he was in a contest at the Punchline. It was called the Great Southeast Laugh-Off. And so the comedians would come up each week and... And you'd have a winner that night, and at the end, they would all come back together for the finale. So I went that night, and Jeff was on the bill and was Mm -hmm. one of the performers, and he really made me laugh. And I knew most of the other people in the show and did not know him. And he said on stage it was his first time ever. Is that true? It was, it was your first stand-up. It was true. A and bunch of guys I worked with had entered me in the contest. What? I'd never been on stage. He was working at IBM fixing oh computers. Goodness. And you thought and I, yes. you were so impressed then. I was so impressed. So I went up to talk to him afterwards. He won the night. His very first time on stage. Wow. Beat my friend. But I went up. <laughs> I thought he was cute. And I went up to congratulate him. And he completely blew me off. And I thought... Well, that is not my type. (laughs) He is much too cocky and forgot about it and left. And then I had a a girlfriend who was trying stand-up. And that was in May when you were, when the end of May? Mm -hmm. And then in September, I had a friend that wanted me to come out on amateur night. And she said, well, if you come out, I'll introduce you to Jeff Foxworthy. And I said, well, I don't. I don't know if I really want to meet him, but okay, I'll go. (laughs) And uh, we were formally introduced that night. Was he nicer? Was he nicer this time around? Well, No, I I walked up to her. Like all cool. (laughs) I was trying to be cool. And I had a drink and I like stumbled and I spilled it right down the front. (laughs) Literally. On her? Oh, on you. Yeah. Down her sweater yeah. and down to her, down her pants. Oh my god! Yeah. And I and I said, "Well, I guess you'll never go out and with he, me." 
And she said, you didn't even ask yet. Oh. He, start, he was so cute. He started grabbing napkins, and he's, like, trying to dab it. And he just completely lost it and became adorable. And oh, said, so the we swagger went away. The well, swagger okay. went, and the real guy yeah. came out. And, but on my side of it, it wasn't swagger. I was so nervous because it was my first time. I couldn't even look at the audience. And so when she said she came up and spoke, I don't remember that. It oh, wasn't right. like I was cocky. I was petrified yeah yeah so and so we that was a tuesday we went out on saturday and an hour into the first date we went to a party and we were sitting out on the deck and we were just talking and like after an hour or so i said you want something to drink she's like yeah i'll take a water or whatever and as i'm walking away from her i'm thinking oh crap I'm going to marry this girl. I mean, an hour into the first day. Because I, wa- I wasn't even looking to date somebody. And I'm like, crap. I, I wasn't there yet. Are you feeling that? I thought he was really cute. But I he worked for IBM. And the th- one thing I knew I didn't want was um, routine, mundane. Mm. I didn't want to moved to the suburbs and yeah. changed diapers and I thought I'd, you know, be an actress and yeah. just have this different life. Yeah. And so I'm looking around at IBM people and I'm thinking, no, this it's is boring. not what I want. It's boring. It's boring. Yeah. And I did not want boring. And ultimately, God had a very different plan. Wow. But Well, um, what you didn't realize is I was looking around at IBM people going, oh, this is really boring. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was in the in a job I should never have been in. Hmm. But like a lot of people, you know, my dad worked there. I got, a, you know, I'm like, crap, what do I do for a living? And my dad calls a friend and goes, yeah, hey, give him a job, you know. Hmm. And it sounds glamorous. I was carrying a tool bag and fixing machines. But, hmm. but I knew even then it was like, this is not what I'm good at. And he started pouring his heart out uh, on that first date. And I looked at him and I said, you're a well. I mean, you are deep and you've got a lot of stuff in there that needs to come mm. out. Yeah. And um, within that year, he quit IBM and we got married. And Within that year, within, well, we got married in a year, but I quit IBM I'm three months them. after yeah. meeting you. Yeah. Because she was the only person going, you can do this. Wow. You can quit this job and be a comic. And so that, you really, is that what you started doing three months later? Yeah, I quit IBM, and mm-hmm. literally that night, she rode with me. I went and worked on New Year's Eve in Birmingham, Birmingham. opening for Sinbad, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. my goodness. Mm-hmm. That is crazy. Mm-hmm. So, but it didn't take you that much longer, because you got married within yeah, that yeah, year. Yes, So yes. you still, yeah. yeah. And how many years ago? So how many years married now? 33. Wow. Yeah. 33 That's years. Impressive. You have two daughters. Two daughters. And they're both graduated. They're yeah. One's twenty seven and is working on her second master's, and she works for Atlanta Mission mm-hmm. at the Atlanta Day Shelter. And the younger daughter is twenty four, and she got married in May okay. to a young man that we've known since they were in first grade. Oh, and he is, we adore so him. Sweet. So it's it's very sweet. Wow. Yeah. Well, I love having adult children. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask about this. You're in a different phase, yeah. and they're all 
amazing in and of themselves, but it's it's a wonderful season having these friends. Yeah, I was going to say, doesn't it change more to like a friend feel? It really does. And you raise these people to be, you know, great, terrific human beings. Yeah, you hope. Yeah, And they are. They're my favorite people. Oh. And now is everybody out of the house now? Oh, yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah, we're so you true empty nesters. Truly, yeah. yeah. How's that been? Well, we have too? the leftover pets from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somebody told my brother, you're not really an empty nester until all the pets die. But, uh, <laughs> no, we, we, it's just, we're the only human beings there. Yeah. So that's good? why. Is it a good season? It's been wonderful. I think it's a great season. It's different mm-hmm. because we were the house everybody hung out at. Uh, you know, yeah. everybody did their sleepovers and spend the night. I live next door to my brother. He has three daughters. And so it's, it's a lot quieter, mm-hmm. but, it, but it's nice, mm-hmm. you know. And, and we still like each other, mm. which sometimes you talk to people and it's like when the kids leave, they don't know what to do with each other. Yeah. But no, we still like each other. So Okay, let's go back, though, before we get right. to the end, where we're at right now. Right. So you you quit your job. Mm-hmm. You guys are falling in love. You apparently asked her to marry you when you don't have a well, job. Well, I asked her one time, and she said no. And then <laughs> so I pouted, and then she asked me, and I'm, I said no. Oh, and, um, I feel like we got too stubborn and, people and so, right here. So then the next year... I won the I, the Great Southeastern Laugh-Off. So the prize for that was you got to go to New York and perform at Catch a Rising Star. I mean, he was, like, great from the beginning. He really oh. he just and, naturally. And did. so we went to New York, and while we were up there, we just decided, hey, let's get married. And we went to City Hall and got a marriage license. You did. And we, we were going to have the yeah. Justice of the Peace there marry us, but the girl in front of us, her water broke, <laughs> and I got... It's a true story. I, true story. I got so no. I got so grossed out. I'm like, I can't do this. I can't do this. It was, and it was pretty depressing down at. Oh, Hall. it was depressing. And oh so we went through the phone book and found a guy that you know, like, in New ch- York City, in, uh-huh. in New York City, that had a church, and called him, and I said, "How much to marry us?" And he said, 300 bucks." And I said, "Dude, we don't have 300 bucks. Why is it so much?" He said, well, it's 200 for the chapel and it's 100 for me. And I go, well, yeah, we'll just do the hall. The hall's fine. We'll do the <laughs> we don't the chapel. chapel. We just want to get married. <laughs> and, you know, he kind of laughed. And he was across from the garden in Central Park. And he's like, come meet me here and I'll marry you guys. And so our mar- so he married us for 100 bucks. We had some friends up there. who were- We have one photo uh-huh. from our wedding we have two i guess it's they were polaroids but we got them changed into, i love it and it's me in a 35 dollar suit and her and the minister and there was a kid sweeping with a broom <laughs> who we had given 20 dollars because we told him we were going to throw rice and, and he just kept going please don't throw that rice and so because he had to sweep so, it up. Yeah. Exactly. So, so it's Greg and I and the minister and Andre, who's got the broom in one hand and his arm around Greg in the there. other hand. That's me. And so. That's oh amazing. That was our, so we got married for a hundred bucks. Yeah. And then we called people, you know, it was way before cell phones. So we, 
like called people from the street and go, hey, we got married. You know, oh, so. my goodness. And so, I know that minister did not think it was going to work. And, but he, we would exchange Christmas cards every year. And so he came to know who Jeff was, oh, wow. and he had great adventures. That was a really and cool thing you he, did because I know that guy thought, this is going to last about three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and so every year, yes, yeah, she would send him a Christmas card. Hey, we're still married. Here's a <laughs> For a long time. Yeah. I'm going to prove to you that we did this. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It was the real thing. So then you're sorry. Basically, you're, you start touring of some kind, but mm-hmm. you're hustling, right? Like those oh, first, yeah. how many years and what, what did that look like? Well, I found the, the little notebook that you keep your dates in from the first year I was on the road. I did 406 shows. I made $8,300. I mean, we, we had zero money. And, and so I, and I was driving so it, and, and playing clubs. So I would leave on Tuesday morning mm-hmm. and like drive to wherever Baton Rouge and play through. And she, by that time had quit it for the most part acting and was working. She took a job at a dairy because we were literally starving. And so she would get off on Friday and then she would ride the bus, like the Greyhound bus to wherever I was playing. Oh my goodness. And Which she, might've cost more than what you've yeah. made. <laughs> I was like, probably, well, and it's like the worst part of every city, right. you yes. know, the bus. To, and the she Greyhound. would get there two in the morning, oh, yes. you know, this little five foot, 95 pound girl standing there and, and I would pick her up and she would spend the weekend in the back of the club with a notebook taking notes. And she'd go, okay, when you say this, you need to kind of oh, know, the notes. that I out like a little it. bit. And did you, how did you take that? I always took it well, didn't yeah, I? Yeah. I mean, I had gone to performing arts high school, majored in it in college, and I didn't do stand-up, but I had a stage awareness. Sure. And, and then at that time, I was doing a um, cable soap. At the same time, I was in sales for the dairy and working on a cable soap, and then I'd meet you on the weekends. And wow! So we were we were both building a life, you know. Yeah. And then I would have Monday off to wash clothes. I'd come back and back out on the road on Tuesday. So. Wow! Oh my goodness! So how long did that season last? Where it was just like a—I mean, you must have been on the road a lot. Yeah, I had eight years in a row. I did five hundred shows or more a yeah. year. So I, I was, you know, there were, there were two options as a stand-up. You could either kind of base yourself in New York or L.A. Mm-hmm. and kind of hang out and hope to go up at the Improv or catch a rising star and you'd make 20, 25 bucks a set. And you would hope somebody in the industry would see you. But that was, it's, most people get into stand-up because it's a great springboard for TV or movies. And then once they get TV or movies, they don't do stand-up anymore. Right, yeah. And I, I got to do TV and movies, but I, I just wanted to be a stand-up. And so I decided I'm not hanging out in New York or LA. I'm going on the road where I can do this every night and get better at it. Mm. You know, it's mm. the old Malcolm Gladwell, 10,000 yeah, hours and, yeah. you know, you become an expert at something. Wow. So we met at 26 and I would say so I'm in that at one point we were going to open a club in Dallas, and then that fell through. And then I woke up one day. We were living in Smyrna, and Jeff was start, was headlining. So he started headlining uh, probably by year three, didn't you? Well, kind of in the comedy thing, it was unspoken. You would uh, be, there were three acts, opening act, middle act, and headliner. You would open for two or three years, and then you would middle. They always said it would you know take you five or six years to headline. 
And my goal back then was to be on Johnny Carson. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty much our only the, game plan. The, yeah. <laughs> that, that was, was my that only was the game dream. plan. That was well, the be, because for a comic, if Carson likes you, it was explosion. Like, yeah. Yeah. And so, but, but kind of the unspoken thing, people say, well, it'll take you 10 years to be good enough to be on Carson. So immediately I said, okay, I'm going to do it in five. I'm going to work like a banshee and I'm going to do it hmm. in five. And I worked like a banshee and then it took five years and two months. Mm-hmm. But Wow. So somewhere on the other side of 30, I guess right around when we yeah, turned 30, yeah. I decided we needed to move to L.A. Because he wasn't, like they would, he had a manager and they would ship his tapes, but nobody would really look at them because he was coming from Atlanta. And mm-hmm. they he wasn't a serious comic because he wasn't in New York or L.A. So said, we have to go to L.A. We, we've got to go. And he said, I don't want to go down. I said, we, we've got, well, I'm going. You're going. You can come or not come. I'm going. I'm going. I'm going to try acting and you're going to try stand up. And I announced this to him right before he's going on stage in Seattle. So it didn't. Yeah, my the, timing was off a little. Phone, pay phone in the lobby. And I'm getting ready to go on stage. And she's like, I'm going best. to L.A. You can come or not come. And, and I remember sitting there thinking, Holy crap, I thought we had a great marriage and now it's over. <laughs> it's done, literally. Oh, yeah, I it's was over. like all bummed out. I'm like, crap, I guess I'm getting a divorce. Because uh, <laughs> I really didn't want to go to L.A. No. But apparently you went. He did. Yeah. I did. Yeah, and we how many years were you guys in L.A. then doing this? Um, About seven, seven and, and a half. half. Okay. And two daughters. And, and was that... It was like the way- business trip that wouldn't end. Yeah. You know? <laughs> But then you chose, you left because that, that's something I read about. You guys left and came back to Atlanta, right? Yeah. Well, I, you know, it, I'd sent tapes to the Tonight Show forever, and they would just mail them back. They wouldn't even open them. Hmm. And okay. so when we got to LA, we'd been there what two or three weeks, and I'm doing a set one night at the Improv, wow. and the talent coordinator from the Tonight Show followed me into the lobby, and he said, "Why haven't you done the Tonight Show?" You're like, and I how said, many tapes have you I sent said, back? <laughs> I said, "You won't open my tapes." Mm-hmm. And so we'd been in L.A. two months, and I was on The Tonight Show. Yeah. Wow. We and moved I'm, in January, and in March you were on The Tonight Show, and then... The one, next month I won Comedian, Comedian of, of the, the year. year. Wow. But I was pissed because I was like, I'm not any funnier now than I was <laughs> two months ago. You Why know. does L.A. matter? Yeah. And he, you had also written the first Redneck book, like yeah. in 88 or something. And I would stand in the back of the clubs and sell it because we sort of wow. self-published, had a local publisher. And so I would sell them in the back. Was that, so was that like the moment for you guys when you were at the, at that club in LA? Which club was it in LA? The Improv. The Improv, yeah, famous club. And that moment, was that when you're like, that was your breakthrough moment? Or was it an earlier moment where you're like, I think I got something I think the, the, the night you did The Tonight Show. Yeah, because I remember doing I The Tonight Show and going home and laying in the bed and staring at the ceiling and saying, I, have, I don't have a plan. I have no plan. What do I do? This was my whole goal. Because hmm. oh, I never got into it for a sitcom. But then things just started... Rolling, yeah. Started happening. Just started happening, yeah. Like, then Warner Brothers approached me, and they were like, do you want to do a comedy album? Hmm. And I said, I don't think anybody does comedy. And and we literally had a meeting. I said, how many do you think we can sell? And they said, put it this way. If we sell 100,000, we'll all be throwing confetti. (laughs) 
<laughs> and that, that so album wild. sold four million copies. Oh, oh my lord! So that is insane. Yeah, it, it's it's been crazy. Yeah, yeah. It really and then has ABC's been. like, "Do you want to do a sitcom?" And I'm I'm like, mm, "I've never acted a day in my life," you know. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of yeah, crazy. And, so and during this, you're just you're in the back selling yeah. selling, the, selling merch. Yeah, and you're just being the supportive wife, or yeah. like, what about? Your whole career and your whole acting. Well, what about um, all that? What happened? Once he started making enough money that I could leave the dairy, I started, I went on the road with him a bit, but then I would do commercials and I don't know, I didn't do Well, but when we got to LA, you started doing day work on soap operas and things like that. Really? So it was, um, but not. I wouldn't call it a career. I was getting mm-hmm. turned down for better roles as as the time rolled on. But um, you know how, like, you can see things maybe in your partner that mm-hmm. they don't see. Like, mm-hmm. for me, acting didn't do a good thing for her. Yeah. It mm-hmm. was... It played into, like, neuroses. Yeah. You know? it it did, went, yeah. I would you know, get like, so nervous. What was it? Somebody told you one day, oh, you'll never be a leading lady because the space between your... Nose, nose and, and your upper lip, upper lip is yeah. too big, and so she's you know she's staring in the mirror, and I'm going, right. your face is beautiful. There's nothing wrong, you know. It just right. it wasn't a healthy place right. to be. And I'd done theater too. I had done professional theater and enjoyed that. And but there's a lot of rejection before, in, but a lot. Mm, yeah. And when we got married, I told him, if you want children you're going to need to marry somebody else because it's just not in my game plan. I just don't think I'll be stable or we'd be able to ever afford to have kids Mm -hmm. or anything. And so I just did not see that. And then somewhere life changes and you get to different places and we're in our, I guess, early thirties and things got really stable and Mm -hmm. I liked it and I enjoyed it and I liked the stability and and then and, is that when you started thinking then maybe mm-hmm. the kid thing because yes. and, felt- and there's trust involved and mm. I we hadn't had a lot of great examples growing up of healthy marriages mm. so I didn't even know that was possible mm. to stay in love and to have that kind of commitment and trust and. Well, it just it happened. Yeah, because we were married for seven years before we had kids. But like my dad was married six times and had a thousand affairs in between. Mm. And um, so you didn't even have a visual or an mm-hmm. example of what this could. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, in a in a weird way, we did is we had an example of what not to do. <laughs> the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> but that can be very effective. Yeah, that's you know, true. and the weird thing was, my dad's dad, it, it, like the proverbial joke, when my dad's dad was five, went out for a pack of cigarettes and never came back, and they mm. found him twenty years later living in a, another city with another family, and mm. so in my mind, when my dad left, my dad just couldn't keep his pants zipped, you know, and <laughs> and but when he left, I'm thinking, even as a little kid, it's like, why would you do this? You know what this feels like. Hmm. Because no matter what your parents say, when when your parent leaves you, you as a kid feel like I wasn't worth sticking around for. Mm-hmm. Hmm. 
I don't care what you say. I wasn't enough. I wasn't worth yeah. sticking around for. And so we had both been through that. And I, I really think we both needed a safe place. Hmm. And so it took us a long time to trust, to trust each other, to go, are you really my safe place? You know, but once that was solidified, Mm -hmm. it was like, you know, I, I I said to her, cause I do a, I have a show on serious radio. And so I interview comics and they always talk about hanging out with other comics. And I said to her, I said, I never hung out. Hmm. I always came back to you. Or if I was on the road, Mm -hmm. I went to the hotel and aid and called you. Mm. And what's been cool about it is that in his career, the comedy or the TV show or the books or whatever, they were always definitely his gifts, but they were something he did. I was the priority, and he always made me Mm. feel like the most important thing. Mm -hmm. And then when we had children they became part of the pack. And Mm -hmm. so they were always a priority. So Mm -hmm. he would, I mean, he might do the sitcom during the week and he might still have some stand-up dates, but he would fly out and back on Friday night so he could be around on Saturday for soccer or basketball or drama or whatever. Mm -hmm. Then he'd fly out and back on Saturday night to be home for church on Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. And so they n- never understood what their father did. I mean, they they didn't miss him. They didn't think he wasn't around. Mm-hmm. He would he do whatever would, it takes to be back, basically. He would do whatever it mm-hmm. takes. So that was always the priority for him. Mm-hmm. And All right, so I, hang on. I got a question for you. You were okay. saying like you, you were always the priority in the midst of as he's launched these things. But a lot of times he talked about you mm-hmm. or made fun of, not of you, but made fun of marriage, made fun of, like you were kind of the example, yes. not the redneck side of things, right. but on the you, you talked a lot about marriage and family, right? right? Like that was a bit. Ton. Yeah. I mean, people remember the redneck rules. jokes, but really my best stuff was relationships. You know, yeah. I always treated it a few times. Jeff would get out of the shower and he'd say, what do you think about this? And I was always front line. So he would try stuff out on me. And a couple of times I've said, yeah, I don't think that'll work. But early on, I'd listen to comics say, women this and women that. And I took offense to that Mm -hmm. because I wasn't all women. But I thought if he personalized it and made it about literally about me, whether it was true or not, it some would relate, some would not relate. (laughs) And it was like our at that point, our child, you know, it yeah. was a separate entity. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you were okay with that, almost and I was okay with that. It. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, he still makes me laugh. He's I was wondering still, about That is my number one is, question. <laughs> laugh a lot. He still makes me laugh. And I, I, I didn't, I, one time his mother got upset about something he said, and it called about, she said. Oh, that was on, on the, the Tonight, Tonight Show. Show. It was. It, yeah, well, yeah, because the joke was, I, I said, remember when you were a kid and you first learned the facts of life and then you would look at your, your parents and you just couldn't imagine that taking place. <laughs> I said, I, I just could never picture my mother screaming, give it up, you pot-bellied stallion. And, <laughs> and so oh I, I did. He didn't run that by her so, first. <laughs> 
So I tell this on the Tonight Show, oh and I come home. And this is like in the old days where you had the answering machine with the button. Yeah, the so light the button, flashing. So the, lights, yeah, yeah. so the light's flashing. I hit it first voice. My mother going, well, I guess I'll just have to find another church to go to. <laughs> I told everybody in the choir to watch. There's no way I can face those people again. <laughs> but, but I want to go back to, to if, if that's okay, yeah, to something she yeah. just said, because a few years ago, somebody was interviewing me, and they said, okay, you do stand-up, you write books, you, you paint, you whatever. Which one are you? Hmm. Mm. Hmm. Which was kind of an interesting question. I never, and I said, you know, those are all things that I do, and I love what I do. I wouldn't want to do anything else, but that's what I do. Who I am is a husband and a dad and a son and a brother and a person of this community and a child of God. That's who I am. Mm -hmm. So what I do may change a lot in my lifetime, but yeah. hopefully who I am re remains constant. Mm -hmm. And so that was always the way I felt about my career is hopefully she never doubted she was the priority in my life and hopefully my kids never doubted that mm -hmm. i turned down stuff i'd get mm -hmm. offered movies and and i'm like so when is it well it's like for six weeks in vancouver in the summer and i would go no i mm -hmm. got five more summers with my oldest kid i'm not giving one of them away mm -hmm. so it was never even the monetary value of it i'm like i ain't giving a summer with my kids away mm -hmm. so they were always the priority and then when we started into parenthood, we had no clue what we were doing. I packed Jordan up and went on the road with Jeff. And I think she had 70 flights by 18 months old. Oh my I, I mean, I just, I didn't know anybody in California. Yeah. Right. The family was back here. So we went on the road and we just winged it and <laughs> yeah, got involved in a great, great church. And I, I sometimes think the word passion, when people say follow your passion, gets overused and misused. Mm -hmm. Because I think we can feel passionate about a meal we just ate sure. or passionate about a book we just read. I think how we're gifted morphs and, and changes over time. I mean, I think we have the same... You have innate gifts, but how you use them yeah. changes. And while we established that the acting wasn't healthy for me, there was something that, as I got older and more confident, that came out that was my gift, and it was listening or helping people. Mm. And so I started, I became a Stevens minister and mm. oh. had that did that for a while and then i've done intervention training to help mm -hmm. We've and for got people some that addiction. don't know stevens basically you just listen to somebody yeah, yeah. Whatever. like counseling yeah i mean i'd walk in and she'd be sitting in the corner in the bathroom you know some lady's husband had left her who she didn't even know and she'd just be listening to her story mm -hmm. and turn around tiptoe out i mean mm -hmm. and then motherhood for me became that became my passion. I mm -hmm. really poured all that other energy into, I thought, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it the best that I can. Mm -hmm. And 
I read books and got advice and listened and mm-hmm. was mentored. And it it became, you know, I hesitate to use the word job because that sounds so negative, but it became something that I wanted to excel in, yeah. in an area. Yeah. And uh, which, was, which was bizarre it's, for the woman that, that said to me, children. if you I don't want, want kids, marry somebody else. Right. Mm-hmm. And I wanted kids, but I wanted her more. So, um, <laughs> so you weren't going to say anything. <laughs> so I didn't say anything. But but honestly, she's the best mom I've ever known in my life. And now we have grown children, and she's their best friend. And and I just look at her and just amazed at how good she is at it and how she listens to them and talks, you know, talks them through mm-hmm. things. And which, which is funny because the way the reason you guys are here is because your daughter, yeah, basically messaged us back and said you need to you need to interview my parents. And I was like, do they want to do this? You they she volunteered you guys. I'm and curious. I said I have nothing to offer. <laughs> yeah. Nothing oh because goodness. it's just trial and error. Well, <laughs> I'm curious though. I, I mean, I think that's a testimony that. That your that your kids believe that they really, yeah they mm-hmm. really value you um, and and um, care for you and so I'm curious if you were to sit with like I mean we have a six and eight year old but you're 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 meeting with a young family and you're like if I could tell them this that I didn't know when I was there at their stage what would you tell them to listen to keep them talking because they're going to shut down in junior high. I'll tell you that right now. Mm. <laughs> uh, and don't take it personally because it's just that phase. And then somewhere on the other side of 15, go maybe 16, they start talking again and it's worth it. So what you're pouring in now, you're not necessarily reaping all the rewards because it's hard. It's yeah. very hard. Mm-hmm. And there are phases that are their seasons and some are harder and I hate to tell you this but it's gonna get worse yeah it's gonna be rough yeah it's it's a challenge do not lose your sense of humor and do not take it personally that's was the main thing that I well and I think too you know looking in the rearview mirror it's I because I remember having little kids and hell I'm flying all the time I'm Mm -hmm. and because once it went from four-week comedy clubs, now it's a different city every night. So I'm on an airplane every day. I'm mm-hmm. tired. And then, you know, they don't want to go to bed. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, I, I got to fly. I got to get up at four and fly again in the morning. So, so by the day and by the week when they're young, it goes slow. You're like, mm. but looking in the rearview mirror by the years, it's like, Flies. crap, where'd it go? It just, yeah. psh, that fast. Do you remember and, that little jar? Yeah. Well, and that was one of the coolest things somebody yeah. gave me. A, a friend of mine, Lanny Donahoe, gave me a jar with beads in it. Mm. And it was like, and I'm like, what is that? And he goes, that's how many weekends you got left with your kids. Why? That little glass jar sat and still sits on our kitchen counter. Mm. And so... It, You're supposed it, to take the beads out for each I weekend. never took them out. But I get it Reggie Joyner gave it to we us. Have, but we, we have it with marbles, marbles. and I just stare yeah. at it. Yeah. I, I, I still stare at it. Yeah. But, but, yeah. but what, what you're going to see looking in the rearview mirror is who your kids are going to grow up to be. They're already that. Like sometimes mm. she will yeah. say, I wonder if I'd have done this. I said, it didn't matter. Same mom, same dad, same environment. One of them's wired this way and one of them's wired mm-hmm. this way. Mm-hmm. But they were always wired that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I would say if I had to give advice, it's like, 
you know, as you, as she's so good at talking to them, find out what the, what, what is their heart? What is their gift? What is their passion? Mm -hmm. What is their personality Mm -hmm. and help them get there. And that's Mm -hmm. something I wished I'd learned earlier on, Mm. like the age of your children instead of, because there was a time with Jordan, because, you know, the first one's the experiment. And <laughs> so with Jordan, and she is so gifted and wired very differently than I am. But I would try to put her or have her do things that I thought that she was supposed to be doing at mm-hmm. any given time. you know, or, they, or that you would have enjoyed doing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because... I was social, and um, so I'd say, well, you should go to that party, or you should do this. Or, Well, she's just wired differently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, I did realize it in time, but i that's something I wish I'd understood mm. in her earlier years. Yeah. But yeah. I think she still turned out okay. Has there, <laughs> has there been a time where your girls were like, Dad... You're not funny right now. Or is there oh, yeah. like that? Oh, absolutely. It was so easy when they were little because they didn't know I was talking about them. And then they got to be teenagers. And they were like, like one, one night I was hosting the Country Music Awards. And it's right when Dancing with the Stars took off. And so they said, okay, to open the show, you're dancing with Lisa Renna. And I'm like, I can't dance. And, and they said, yeah, but that'll make it funny. And so I literally <laughs> had on like a, a, a big puffy shirt slit to the navel and these tight the pants. Sequin? And the sequin? Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Yes. And, I'm, and I'm like sliding through her legs and, you know, doing all this kind of dancing. And, and, and so after the show... I, Hang I, on, if you, I, if you I, couldn't I, see that, he was like doing uh, the moving around. Spank, his, yeah, well, I was saying, we were dancing to Honky someone. Tonk with Donkey Donk, so <laughs> it's got a little spanking action little spanking going on. going on right here. And I get in the car and I turn my phone on, and the first message on there is from my girls going, Dad, we have to go to school tomorrow. <laughs> this is you are so, so embarrassing. Stop, stop, stop <laughs> doing that stuff. Stop it. Now they appreciate yeah. it, but... And we've always talked about everything, and hmm. that translated to our children. And our precious son-in-law, when when he was still dating our daughter, he would be like, man, your family has a lot of feelings. <laughs> <laughs> and now he loves it. Yeah. He loves it. And I'm the only guy in the house, I so I would say, like yeah. have a rule going, no serious talk start after midnight. You yeah. have to you start... Have to because I, yeah, I mean, I would literally just be sitting there at one thirty, going, "I got to get up in two hours to go catch a plane." I, yeah, this is yeah. ridiculous. Oh my goodness! All right, so I know uh, you've done a whole bit on marriage rules. If you were to tell us, like, maybe two of the rules from your from your marriage rules, what hmm. would it be that other people need to know that they don't know right now? Golly. You know what? This is what I would say. I mean, because they were kind of created by you, Greg. Out of your your life. (laughs) I mean, you are the creator of them. You are the, yes. You should should ask her the rules and I will follow them. That's uh, that's kind of the deal. You know, I would tell people, I mean, probably the, the thing that we do well is we wake up talking to each other and we go to bed talking to each other. Hmm. And... You, you but so little things don't turn into big things. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, of another friend that we just did a podcast with said about closing the loop. You know, mm-hmm. like making it come around full circle. Right. 
because so often it's just like you maybe start something and never finish, you know, and this built up little, little resentments that can right. get in there without fully and closing you, that. You don't want to get passive aggressive. You don't want to carry, you know, anger or resentment at all. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just not good for you. Yeah. It's not good for your marriage. Well, it, it, and the other thing is, and you touched on it before, is that the safety. It's nothing's really taboo. So mm-hmm. I feel safe going to him and I'm not going to be rejected or laughed at or demeaned. And how did you guys establish that between you two? What were some things a good that you time can... therapist in, <laughs> in <laughs> California TV? So, no, I don't. No, he was on the radio, but we would listen to it. Uh, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. I, I just know, for me, it was from bad example. Mm-hmm. I, I knew, like with my father, you know, cavorting or having an affair, I saw the damage from that mm-hmm. time after time after time. Yeah. And I, so I thought, I'm not going to put somebody through this. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to be... A, and so th- there wasn't a plan B. Mm. It was like... I'm in. Mm-hmm. I'm in. And so maybe that commitment. just constant like reassurance, because I think if you are communicating that to you, Craig, then you've got to feel secure in that, right? Like there's well, no you know, absolutely there's completely. no and no other options. It, so then you feel have you ever read the book The Five Love Languages? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really do think that that's important and it is understanding that goes back to communication how to Mm. communicate how do you communicate love and I did uh, I also led women's bible studies for years Mm -hmm. a decade or something and in it we did one on a whole one the difference between men and women and Shanti Feldman's books and those are all really important how what a, how a man hears something when you say it and how a woman hears something when a man mm. says it. So mm. you're safe in saying anything, but it has to be said properly too, mm. you know, so that they receive it in the way right you mean way. it. Yeah. And, and it's from your heart. It's not, there's no malice. Like, you know what? This is what I would say would be my other thing. Jeff. Just getting fired up and over here. I, I like it. Jeff always wanted what was best for me, and I always wanted what was best for Mm. him. So you end up bringing out the best in each other by wanting the best for them and trying to do the best for them. Hmm. And I read something recently that said, if you have to treat your family as well or better than you would treat friends or people in the outside world, because if... You don't, I made all those notes at home. You have to, <laughs> I believe you have to give your best to your yeah. family. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes people don't. Sometimes people give the world everything they've got and then there's nothing left over mm. for the family. I think you have to give it your best to your family. Well, and I, I want to add into that because <clears throat> I think. When you were explaining earlier about after a show, people would go hang with other comics. After a show, you would be calling her or getting on a plane. Mm-hmm. It, sound, it sounded like there, there was 
a different standard than the rest of the culture of the people you were. You doing. know, it was, it was, well, it was, in my mind, it was about being wise. So hmm. it's like when we were doing the blue collar tour, and we're literally playing arenas in different city every night. And then you get to the end of the night and get to the hotel and the guys would go, Hey, come have a beer with us. I don't have a problem in the world with having a beer, but I knew what I came from. And I knew that that's what my dad would do after work. And if you go have one beer and you're having fun, then you have two. And if you have two, then you have three. And then maybe if somebody with a low-cut top sits down next to you and smells good and you've been on the road for a week. Mm-hmm. So you've put yourself in a situation where you can screw up. Mm-hmm. So I, I wasn't doing it because I thought I was better than anybody else or I was a goody-goody. I was like, just be wise. Mm-hmm. Your your wife and your kids are too important. Don't do something stupid. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, no, go in the room, order room service, call home. Mm-hmm. So I'm not acting like it was something that I wasn't susceptible to. But I'm like, because I knew too many guys that it happened to. Mm-hmm. That, that would just sit there and they'd go somewhere and have one too many. And then all of a sudden they're making out with a waitress and their mm-hmm. wife finds out and it blows up at home. And I was like, dude, that's so stupid. You had such a good thing. Mm-hmm. 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 I saw my dad do it, so I was like, be wise. You know, and, and the thing that we always talked about with the kids, it was like, and I just, comics are observers. Mm-hmm. We just kind of sit there and watch things. And, and I had become really aware that self-focused people were some of the most miserable people that I had met. And so I would always be, you know, telling the girls, be others focused. Don't be self-focused. Self-focused people are miserable. When you think about people that you know in the world that you admire, I bet none of them are self-focused people. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and so I think we had a household. Like both that. our girls have served. They've grown up serving. Mm-hmm. We've done but, many family mission trips. They've mm-hmm. gone on their own. But but, but I'm backing up just a second. In in that communication and it being safe, we said difficult things to each other, not fights. But like, you know, she said to me one time when, I don't know, when Jules was 10, 11 years old, she said, you need to work on that relationship or you're not going to have a good relationship when you get older. And I'm like, what do you mean? You know, I'm a good dad. Mm -hmm. She says, no, she, what motivates her is not the same as what motivates Jordan. So you need to be aware of that. And, mm. and I, I mean, just a few weeks ago, I said, thank you for telling me that because now Jules is 25 and we have a fabulous relationship, wow. but I needed to be aware of, I couldn't treat her the same way mm-hmm. that I treated the other one. Mm-hmm. So we would say, you know, and, and it was like one time she was doing something and I think I looked at you and I said, be the adult. <laughs> you be the adult. I was wanting to cry. Well, she, she was wanting to cry adult. and be pitiful, and and I'm like, so we through yeah. the years we've said tough things to each other, right? Mm-hmm. But it was said in love, and it was said in a safe, and it was, and and I'm telling you this because I have your best interest in mind. She mm-hmm. was telling me that because she had my best interest in mind. right. So you know you're on the same team. Yeah, you know yes, you're we're for, always on the same team. You're for each other, and the kids always knew that it was like, hey, dad's pretty laid back but you be disrespectful or you be mean to mom and 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 dad's going to be up and in the fight and, yeah. and they knew that they knew mm-hmm. to, don't mess with mom because mm. dad will fight for mom mm-hmm. you know and and i always thought it because i didn't know what to do with girls 
You know, I have all girls. My brother has all girls. My side of the family, it's like the estrogen ocean. There's not one single boy anywhere. <laughs> estrogen ocean. But I always wanted for my, I wanted it to be tough for somebody to date my girls. Because I wanted them to have, to have had such an example of the way a guy treats the woman that he loves, mm -hmm. that it was going to be really hard for somebody else to do that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I tell her every day she's the prettiest. For 33 years, every day I'll say, has, has anybody told you you're the prettiest girl in the world? Words of affirmation. Words from of my love language. Yeah. 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 But when I tell her that, she feels that way. Who gets the benefit from that? I get the benefit from that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I mean, I still open her car door. I still, you know, mm -hmm. say what you want about that. But she is precious to me, so I treat her like she's precious to me. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted my girls to, to, if a guy didn't treat them respectfully, to go, that's not acceptable. Mm -hmm. So when your son-in-law now asked you, I'm, did he talk to you about getting married? I'm curious yeah. oh, about yeah. that yeah. conversation. Yeah. How oh, did yeah. that go down? old-fashioned way. Well... It, it was funny. Was there they, shotguns involved? I know, right? <laughs> this, I was well, I will say this, because they had known each other since the first grade. They've known each other all their life. And they started dating, what, eighth or ninth grade. Uh -huh. And they dated for a couple of years, and then they broke up. For a for, minute. For, for a, a second. For a minute, you know, for a couple of months. And I, you know, I'm the dad at home with a you know, the crying kid. Well, then he wanted to come back and for them to get back together. And I said... Before you can go out with her, you and I are going for a walk. Oh, no. This is like the, <laughs> this the is, this is death for the boyfriend, the right? And, and Jules and I are standing at the window. Right. Yeah. And Jules is like, Dad, what are you? And I said, no, we're just, I'm not going to hit him. I'm not going to yell. We're going for a walk. <laughs> I'm not going to hit him. <laughs> but on that walk, I'm like, why do you want to go out with her? Hmm. And he's like, well, I just think she's one in a million girl. I said, then you need to treat her like that's what she is. Mm-hmm. You know, if she's that precious to you, you need to treat her that way. And as long as you do that, I will be your biggest champion. And you, but, but the moment I see you not doing that, you're not welcome here. Mm -hmm. And so it was a little come to Jesus, walk and talk. And this is, he's how old? This is eighth grade? No, no, no. no, no he's probably like 10th high school or, or something. Okay. 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 That's a good time to do that. Yeah. But, yeah. Between 11 but and 12. it was like to let him know. You know, I, I don't know where I heard this a million years ago, but but it was that a woman needs to know that somebody's going to fight for her and, mm -hmm. and, and is willing to fight for her, is willing to die for her. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I told him, look, I'm willing to fight for her. I'm willing to die for her. I'm willing to fight for Greg. I'm willing to die for Greg. Mm -hmm. So, hmm. you know, if if you don't have her best intentions at heart, like I have my wife's, go somewhere else. Go and mess with somebody else. to his credit, he has never failed us. Never, mm. never disappointed he since then. Adores her and He's, I, I, treats I, I, her. I can't think of enough. Love this guy, mm. and I love the way he. I love the way he loves my daughter. Yeah, that's important. Yeah, I'm curious. So you guys got through this kind of hustle phase in life and made it through that. You had some success, and with success comes all kinds of opportunities. Some of them you kind of said you turned turned down related to family. But then in the midst of it, I'm sure there is moments of great stress. Oh, absolutely. And failure. And failure in the midst of it, too, absolutely. right? Absolutely. did some, some shows that didn't work, that, oh. right? Ones that did. Lots. You know, and, yeah. and people used to say, oh, Jeff's the luckiest person I know. Like, well, they don't know about the failures, but we didn't focus on the failures. 
Hmm. And we use them as opportunities. You know, what did we do wrong there? What did we learn from that? So it it didn't so much end up feeling like a failure. Mm -hmm. It ended up feeling like a a growth time. And Mm -hmm. and we've had several growth times. We've had quite a few growth times. But especially in parenting, there's a lot of opportunity for growth. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times where I said, I should have done this or wished I'd done that. But in hindsight, you're doing the best you can do in, in that given moment, moment. Yep. Mm. and it's uh, it's all great to look back and wish you'd done something differently. But how would you guys process those moments, whether it was a failure or a time of stress? Or I'm curious together because it sounds like you guys have this. I love the rhythm of we wake up talking, yeah. go to bed talking. I'm guessing those are some of the times that you unpacked all that, right? Is like yeah, just absolutely. debriefing. Uh, we absolutely, yeah. Because I would say to her, look, I don't think this show's going to go, or I think they're going to cancel this. And she's like, all right, what are you going to do? Right. And it's like, well, you know, I can go back out and do stand up. I got this book. I'm, and and so I never took the failures personally. Mm-mm. It's like like there's an old thing like the Indian bow hunter shoot maybe no shoot no maybe. So I wasn't scared to try stuff. Mm. And, he's so brave. He's very and, and, very brave. You know, if I failed, I failed. But there were a lot of things that that so I you tried. You didn't take it personally, but yet it's like you. Right. I mean, it's you your jokes based on your like life. It, yeah, on, yeah, that's the hard. That's the part that I find fascinating because there's so many businesses, but right, that, that fail, goes, but it's not a, about a person. It's a it's a company, a business, and that goes so back about to him treating his job as something he does. This is what I as do. opposed to it being who about I am. him, who he is. Yeah. Okay. So we always felt like. Nobody, you know, L.A., whoever, they couldn't take a chunk out of us because that we protected hmm. and saved and the rest of it. And, you know, it's a it's definite faith issue, uh, just trusting that there was a better plan or yeah, there was a something different way. else that yeah. would come along. And Yeah, I think I always trusted it would be okay. Yeah. And, 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 and I was. never bought up into, like, I remember when we moved back to Atlanta and we were building a house and somebody said, hey, Southern Living wants to come photograph your house. And, and I'm like, no, that's mm-hmm. my house. That's where my family lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't give a crap if somebody else likes it or doesn't like our style <laughs> or our taste. I don't care. Yeah, That's my family's safe place. Yeah. Hmm. So and it was protected. It was protected. And yeah, so if something failed, it's like on my tombstone. I'd, I could care less if you wrote, he was a great comedian. I'd rather hear... He was a great husband. He was a great dad. He was a great steward in his community. Mm. Uh, that's who I am. This other stuff's just what I did. Yeah. Mm. I like that. Well, our final question, Uh-oh. Greg, <laughs> since you listen, you know, is, is it possible, do you think it's possible to change the world, stay in love, and raise a healthy family? Absolutely. And I think what that looks like can morph and change over time. I think it's important. The most important thing is to keep the family the priority Mm -hmm. and figure out your gifts and how to best use them. And again, communicate. And Mm -hmm. I think you can work through anything. Hmm. I like it. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think, I mean, we're living proof of that. I think everybody needs a safe place. You guys need a safe place. Mm-hmm. It's a tough world you're out in here, you know, trying to help people start up businesses. And a lot of disappointment, a lot of failures. Mm-hmm. But you got to have that little return. And who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want to have that thing? It's like I told my uh, nephew who recently got married. I said, okay, you've created a new thing. And, and your job is to protect the thing. And so if her family hurts the thing, you need to respond to that. Mm-hmm. You, you, you're committed to this. This is the new thing. And so I think ever since we got married, it was the thing. Protect the thing. But the thing can also do good things. And when you say change the world, you do, but it's not big and dramatic. Mm-hmm. You may be changing it for one person or one family, or mm-hmm. but it's still changing the world. Yeah. You know, yeah. I've, I've, for the last decade, Tuesday mornings, I do a Bible study with homeless guys downtown. Well, n- not every one of them got their life back, but a lot of them did. Mm-hmm. A lot of them got reunited with their families. A lot of them got apartments. A lot of them got... Mm-hmm. So, have I changed the world? Not the whole world, but for that guy, I had a hand in it. Mm-hmm. And, and that matters. And, and, that and, and, and all you have to do is be willing to say, yeah, I'll take that chance. Do for one what you wish you could do. Mm. Andy. For everybody. Andy, yeah. Exactly. I, I, when you were talking, I was thinking about how I wondered how you guys think you have changed the world. And I was wondering if for, for both of you really is setting a new standard for what a family looks like. I wondered if that was oh. for your family. Because it feels like that's been the oh, pursuit. Oh, man. What a, Jeff, that's a great... Well, wow. it was because we that didn't know like a, we didn't know what like a, a family order, looks but, like. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I didn't know what a stable household looked like. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it was like, you okay, we got a we got a blank slate here. Let's create this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's even to the point at like we decided early on and we made no money, but it's like, okay, let's be wise with our money. Let's let's save money every even if we're only making three hundred bucks this week. Let's save twenty bucks of it. Hmm. You know, and so, yeah, we started from blank. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, so now it's like what a family looks like. We created that for us. It wasn't anything that we went into thinking, oh, this is what what we're going to do. This is our plan. We had no plan. And that may not work for other people because I've always said this about being a comedian. If you want to be an actor, you go to acting school. If you want to be a musician, you go to music school. There is no comedy school. Mm-hmm. The way there's you no learn to be school. <laughs> there's no marriage mm-hmm. school. Yeah. You know, yeah. the way you learn to be a comic is you get up on stage and you do it and you hang out with comics. Well, the way you learn to be married is you go do it and you listen to the advice. And and that's what I would tell people. Look at somebody's marriage that that you admire and you yeah, like that, and you know, Great old people advice. are wise about things and, and ask questions. I've got, We're an aunt, old people. I've got an aunt and uncle that I still ask questions. They're in their 80s. And I'm like, okay, when our kids were getting ready to go off to college, I said, what do I need to know about this next season of life? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, my aunt writes me a three-page letter. All right, here's, what's, here's, here's something to look out You'll for. You'll survive here. it. <laughs> so so you don't have to have grown up in it to have a good one, yeah. but it is wise to look at people that have a good marriage and go, mm-hmm. tell me, what, what is it you guys do? Mm-hmm. You know, I would listen to comics that were light years ahead of me. Mm-hmm. What do you do? What do you work on? How do you, mm-hmm. I mean, that's what this is, isn't it? That's it the is. reason I agreed to do this mm-hmm. is hopefully there's one thing in this that somebody listens to that and goes, you know what? That's not bad. That's a good idea. I'm going to put that. 
I can try that. That's what I always said about a comic is we're like little magpies and we sit there and watch. And when we see something we like from another comic, we go get it and we put it in our pile. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what you do with marriage. You look around and go, oh, I like that. What do you do? Oh, I like that. Like you were talking to somebody about traditions. Yeah. Well, you know, to this day, that's big with our kids. Mm-hmm. You know, she's fabulous. She should have been a travel agent. She just plans the best vacations, always has. Whether it was going to Italy or whether it was loading up the car and going to Callaway Gardens. Hmm. She's great at that. And our kids, you know, it was a big deal. Traditions were a big deal. And I think in Jeff's career, and I know you've traveled a lot, It, in order to, and this is just for us, but in order for us to maintain stability... Something does have to give. Mm-hmm. And I, I heard another couple say that you take turns mm-hmm. being in the forefront. Well, I didn't really need to be in the forefront. I'm a really good wingman. Mm. And he's really brave. And it's just the way things turned out. It's not that we went into it thinking, well, he's going to... It has to be this way or it has to be that way. We have rolled along mm-hmm. with it and had a great time. We've had a blast. And I never felt like I lost myself in yeah. it. I always was able to maintain my identity and use gifts in different areas. But it didn't look like what I thought at 30 it was going to be, or sometimes even at Well, and, and we always had an awareness of each other. Like for 20 years, we were like the chairpersons of the Duke Children's Hospital. Well, every time we'd go to the hospital, we would go visit every kid there. We, we, we didn't want like a kid to feel left out. Left out mm-hmm. And it was such an unspoken thing. But when we would walk into a room, I would go immediately to the kid and I don't know what happened in my life. Because you walk into a room, and if there's a kid in a wheelchair or a kid, a bald kid, most people go, oh, God, i got to avoid that. I'm attracted to that. It's like, mm-hmm. that's that's who I want to talk to. We would walk in the room. I'd go straight to the kid, and she'd go straight to the mom and dad. Mm-hmm. And she's great with the mom and dad. Mm-hmm. I have a harder time with the mom and dad. Yeah. What do you say to somebody whose kid's dying? Yeah. She's great with them. Mm-hmm. And so it was always having, it was like just an unspoken thing. Yeah. You know, but I'm admiring her as I'm hanging out with the kid going, mm-hmm. man, look at her. Look at her go. And I will say he never ceases to amaze me. He started six months ago. He decides he wants to paint. He's he's now sold paintings. It's just it's just like the creativity flows from him, and it just is constant. And I said, how about that? 33 years in your... And still get you surprised still. and see new things. Yeah, but see, that's it. But isn't that cool? I, so like, I, kind of love, I love the mystery of life. I love the fact that after 33-plus years, I still want to hear what she has to say. I want to hear what she thinks about something. Mm-hmm. She walks in the room, and I still go, isn't she hot? You, know? <laughs> you guys are giving us great hope. <laughs> For future marriage, yes, you will. I was thinking. Through. I was thinking. You need to hear what she was saying. She kept saying, referring to all uh, of his I ideas mean, as a person that is brave. Yes, <laughs> that's like maybe I should frame that for you for Christmas. Jeff <laughs> <laughs> is so brave. brave. Yeah, I'm not wired that he's way. He's not messy. He's brave. <laughs> I, like, I like that. 
an idea person looking at us as brave, not like. Yes, you are brave. Yes, we courageous. are brave. You're yes. taking a so risk. Brave. I love it. And that takes a lot. You. But you are, but you know, it, it, and, and the world you delve in, it's, it's what I am. I'm, I mean, I'm an entrepreneur. I didn't know what I was doing, but it's, it's like two years ago at Thanksgiving, and Thanksgiving's another big tradition. And the kids, and I say kids, they're 20s, they're playing cards against humanity on Thanksgiving night. <laughs> that is and, brave with uh, mom and dad, right? Well, like, no. <laughs> and and I yeah. am going, no, no, your grandmother's here. We, <laughs> you can't we, we're not calling 911 tonight. Go downstairs. downstairs. And so as we're sitting around, I'm thinking, well, there's got to be a way to, to play a game like this that would be fun without being that filthy. And I go buy 600 note cards and I write 500 punchlines. And then I think, all right, everybody's got a family. And I write 100 setups about relatives. And I made a game. And, and now, this year, two years later, it's the number one game on Amazon. Oh, Are you I mean, serious? Yeah, Wait, what just, game is this? It's called oh, Relative it's so Insanity. Great. It's we're great. Relative. Oh, we're great. You just, all you do is, you know, and the, and the setup might be right before we walked down the aisle, my dad leaned over to me and whispered blank. And you've got seven punchlines and you just throw down the one you think. Because so. laughter's big. And I think yeah. we've learned that. That's amazing. Is don't take yourself, and I tell my kids that don't take yourself too seriously. Hmm. You know, that's kind of the problem in the world, right? That's why we yell at each other. Hmm. Is people kind of lost the ability to laugh at themselves because we're all goofy. We're all stupid. Everybody's family's crazy. <laughs> you know, that's why you go to the fair to feel better about your own family. I mean, uh, <laughs> <laughs> to look at everyone else. Oh yeah. yeah Cause you get to the we, fair and you're like, I thought we were weird. Look at those guys. You know, we were, we were talking about that at Disney when we went one time. Oh, it's yeah. like, yeah, you walk around. It's like, Oh my yeah. goodness. We're okay. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to make it. Yeah. If we survive Disney. Yeah. <laughs> but as a, as a dad, if you left that park with a dollar in your pocket, somebody did not do their job. <laughs> Seriously, that is for sure. Uh, well, thank you guys so much for thank your time. You this guys. is amazing. Well, thank you for having us. I, I Again, I didn't know that if I had anything to offer. but You're the brains of the operation. Yeah, no, yes, I'm you not. are. You always have been. And now it's time for the breakdown. You know the part that made me cry? What? Just where he was really sharing about just coming from a really hard family life. And same with Greg, too. But when Jeff was sharing with his father and how just how much he experienced as a child and basically how he was saying, like, learning what not to do is sometimes, you know, from your family because it was maybe so terrible is just as helpful. You know, um, like he he said he he has an example of what what not to do. Yeah, and I mean, like we talked to a lot of families, and you've heard interviews even in the past with us where, you know, they've had great family situations that have taught them kind of these different principles that they've held on to. And I think Jeff is such a great man, and it's all from learning about what not to do. Mm-hmm. And I think. It can happen. So if for our listeners, like if you're coming from really hard family scenarios or really broken families, that you can be encouraged. I mean, they're married for 33 years. Mm-hmm. They've been in the business. They've been hustling. Like, and In they a are hard s- business. In a hard place, yeah. yeah. And they are still together and they're still in love. And you can tell it. You can feel it. Anyways, he made me cry. And I'm mm. getting a little teary-eyed again, thinking about it. I thought it was really cool to hear his story about um, 
when he started and when they met, he had friends at his work that signed him up <laughs> for his first stand-up show. He didn't even sign up, but then they, they were like, you're funny, you need to do this, and then he did it, and he won. Like, it was like, I, I love this thought that sometimes our purpose in life needs to be called out from the people that are closest to us. Yeah, and even his wife was like, telling him that he is so brave like he, mm-hmm. he yeah, and she's encouraged yeah. yeah and like how she's just always been that encouraging person to like push him and keep going and even when you know he was saying he had no stage presence he was just he was terrified he said all the funny things but she has pushed him to have stage presence she's pushed him to taking know, notes in yeah the back yeah him. i love how she's kind of been that support and encourager all along the way. They also kind of talked about this reality, I'm sure, as he found success, and, and they both had to wrestle with that. This idea, uh, this statement, what I do is not who I am. Yeah. And every listener struggles with this. Every, yeah. all of us. Yeah. All of us. Yeah. I think that's something that he had to really, and, and then his response that I think further on is like as he started having a family he did everything he possibly could and they did to not let that work schedule impact their family like when he was explaining like he would fly back just for the day yeah and then fly back to do the next show and their kids didn't really know he was gone i thought that was just like yeah he went he, above you could tell and above beyond, and beyond to, to make it normal for his children to normalize it for the kids yeah 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 <laughs> We all wanted to know inside, actually, if Greg still thought he was funny. He is funny. I know. She does. She does. Yeah. She does, which I think is cute. I mean, he is funny. He is funny. <laughs> I also love just them talking, like being vulnerable about that safe place. Mm-hmm. I think that's... For their whole family. Yeah. And, you know, definitely him and Greg, but also including that with the whole family. Mm-hmm. But... You know, that that if if you have that safe place, it brings um, courage, it brings freedom, it brings, you know, just this identity like you were talking about. And this is who I am. This is who my people are. And we are in a safe place here together. I love that. Um, He also was talking about being on the road. And um, I thought this this statement he I wrote down about being wise. What is the position I'm putting myself in? Like he asks him that himself yeah. that constantly, which is something I think if you're traveling a lot, it's easy to screw things up on your marriage. And yeah. so proactively saying, what position am I putting myself in? Mm-hmm. It's like a really good question to memorize and to be asking yourself constantly. I, I thought that was really smart. That's good. We could talk, I mean, we could keep going. I have pages. I know this interview was way longer than our normal ones. I don't care. But we don't care. No, it was so good. You needed to hear all of it. They are so, they are such incredible people. Like people, I remember in our office when we were done, they all left. They're like, how was it? It was like... How, what, like that was like, they just gifted us time, mm. wisdom, um, beautiful. stories. Like I, I, I'm very thankful for this. I'm going to remember it for a long, long time. Yeah. So please share it with your friends, Jeff, Greg, thank you so much. Thank you for being a part of this. And this is another episode for Lover Work. Work.